I'm so glad Summer Nights is continuing. Hey, did you guys have fun uh, last week at Burgers and Bibles? I did. I thought it was a great time. Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but uh, you can't go to a barbecue and have burgers without hot dogs. So we've got free hot dogs for everybody at the end of service tonight. So we're pretty stoked about that. How many of you brought your Bibles? Wave it up in the air like you just do care. Wave it up in the air like you just do care. I'm seeing Bibles. I love it. Hey, uh, in order for us to really grow in our discipleship, grow in following Christ, then you and I must fall in love with God's word. And part of that is carrying a Bible with us here at Excel. And so I am asking you to put your phone down when you can and bring a physical Bible. I want you to turn to Psalm 32, Psalm 32. If you don't know where the book of Psalm is, it's directly in the middle of your Bible. Just put your thumb in there, pull it apart, see if that works. It usually does for me. I don't know. It's just I might, I might be crazy. But Psalm 32, we are in a series called Summer in the Psalms. Summer in the Psalms, where we've been diving into some of the most famous Psalms and some of the Psalms that you and I should know that I think are extremely foundational to our faith. And we've been going verse by verse. Say verse by verse. I'm teaching you how to read the Bible by doing that. Verse by verse. A lot of us read the Bible and we get really stressed out because we're like, there's this whole chapter that I have to read and I don't know what any of it means. Vomit, right? Like a lot of us, maybe it's just me, whatever. Don't judge me because I vomit, all right? But a lot of us read the Bible and we get a little stressed out because we feel like we have to understand the entirety of what we're reading. And I'm trying to show you that you and I can read the Bible verse by verse and break it down and in that way, really understand what God is trying to tell us. So last week, who can tell me what psalm we were in the last two weeks? Who knows? Say it out loud. Psalm 1. We were in Psalm 1. Today we are in Psalm 32. Psalm 32. If you've got it, can you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? The reading of God's word. I didn't give it to you, so it's fine. They should have brought their Bible. So here, we, if you don't, you're not going to see it on the Sky Bible. I want you to read it off the person next to you, or you can pull out your phone and use your Glow Bible if you have to. So here we go. Psalm 32, if you got it, say, uh-huh. If you're ready for it, say, ayo. Here we go. Psalm 32, verse 1. We're going to read all of it. It goes like this. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity and I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sins, Selah. For this cause, everyone who's godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with the songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule which have 
no understanding, which may be harnessed with bit and brittle, else they will not come near you. Last two verses, stay with me. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Let's pray, Lord, this is your word. And it frees us and it cleanses us and it guides us. And so like, as we learned from last week, Lord, we reject the ways of the world and we delight in your word. So God, it's your word, it's your voice, not mine. Don't allow me to preach in the way that you didn't intend it, God. Let it nourish our bodies in Jesus' name and our hearts. And everyone says, amen. You can sit, you can find a seat. Anybody here has ever had a friend that said sorry all the time for doing stuff, but never changed? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) What about a sibling? You know what I'm saying? Like, I have a twin. I have a twin brother. I've got an older brother, right? And so, like, Sometimes we just be doing stuff to get on each other's nerves. Mostly me. I'm an instigator and I wear it proudly. I like starting fights. The Lord's not done with me yet. I do. I like it. I think Pastor Evelyn is like me. We're kind of aggressive. We're like, what's up? Right? We are not afraid of confrontation. And and so there are times where they would get mad or offended. And I would say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right? But we all know what sorry really means, right? It means I'm sorry you felt that way. I'm sorry you didn't think it was funny, right? One time, this, I, I shouldn't tell stories, but I do, whatever. One time, my twin was using the bathroom. He was doing number two, and, and he left the door unlocked. So my older brother and I were like, you know what? Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and uh, kick the door in and uh, shoot him with a water gun and pour a bucket of water on him. It was so funny. It was hilarious. My brother, my twin brother, Ishmael, he did not think it was so funny. Uh, He said some choice words, and he chased after us. As he chased after us, we ran into the kitchen. I grabbed him, and my brother Juan grabbed the hose from the sink and continued to spray him even more. He told on us, snitch, he told on us, he told told my mom, he told my dad, and my mom was like, I can't believe you guys did that. That is so mean. If you would have done that to me, right? Like, I can't, my dad being the army guy, he was been like, did he scream, right? Like, that's, kids, don't do that. You should have recorded it, right? Like, that's, that was my dad. He was all about those pranks, but I said that I was sorry, but what I never did was ask for forgiveness, because whether I knew it or not, he was actually pretty upset, and his feelings were hurt. Forgiveness is something that you and I, um, I think it's a second thought with being a Christian. I think the majority of us know that we are forgiven. When we say that, we're like, I'm forgiven. Yeah, that means, you know, I'm good, right? I think a lot of us might misunderstand forgiveness. When I was a sixth grader, when I was a senior and in between, right, two inches ago, um, I, I never had a pastor or a leader sit me down and say, hey, Izzy, um, 
do you actually understand what forgiveness is? Because we think I'm sorry and please forgive me are the same thing. And they're not. Psalm 32 introduces us to a very important and I would say extremely foundational and essential to our Christian walk. And that is the understanding of forgiveness. And so Psalm 32, I've titled it, Seek Forgiveness, Find Life. At the center of Christianity is this promise of forgiveness. So tonight, I want to give you three ways that you and I misunderstand forgiveness by misunderstanding how God forgives. And we're only going to do the first two verses. So we're, we're going to fly through this, okay? So if you're taking notes, okay, here are three ways you and I misunderstand forgiveness by misunderstanding how God forgives. Number one, we think, we think with this misunderstanding of forgiveness that to God, our sin is no big deal. It's no big deal, right? It's no big deal. I told my mom, I was like, mom, it's just water. It's no big deal. He's not gonna melt like the wicked witch of the West, you know, or East or wherever side, okay? Like West, was it West? Thank you, right? He's not gonna melt away. He's not gonna die. It's water. If anything, like he just pooped. Like I'm cleaning him off. Like he's fine, right? I said the words, it's no big deal. But to my twin, it was a big deal. You know, some of you that have maybe been bullied, like the bully is like, it's not a big deal. I just shoved them in the locker. It's not a big deal. I just like tipped their tray of food over. It's not a big deal. But to you, it was a what? It's a big deal. But sometimes with, with understanding God's forgiveness for us, sometimes we think that the way God forgives us and his mentality towards us is, hey, I'm God, I'm big, I'm awesome, I'm strong, I'm the creator. What is your sin to me? It's no big deal. And when we say this, it's saying, God is basically telling us that it's okay. It's no big deal to sin. The problem with this view is that when we think God doesn't consider our sin big, neither will we. It's no, it's no big deal. I just lie occasionally just to get my way. I lie to my parents and, you know, just because I don't want to stress them out with all the school stuff and all the classes I'm failing, right? It's not a big deal. When we start thinking that our sin and that our issues aren't a big deal, that God doesn't think our sin is a big deal because he's big and he's awesome, true, then we'll start to think that our sin is not a big deal. And what I've told you lately and for the past few weeks, that sin, right, that sin in our lives caused separation, causes destruction. We learned in Psalm 1 that if you don't reject the bad thoughts and the bad ways and the bad actions, that what that leads to is destruction. And so some of us misunderstand the way that God forgives me is he thinks it's not a big deal. And that is not true. The second way that we misunderstand forgiveness by misunderstanding how God forgives is what I like to call credit card forgiveness. Or if you're of my age, uh, student loan forgiveness, right? <laughs> student loan forgiveness, sorry, Joe, they didn't say yes, right? Uh, that, was, that was a joke for my older people. Um, credit card forgiveness. How many of you know what a credit card is, right? 
It's, it's buying things on good favor that you will what eventually? Pay it back. Pay it off, right? You get a credit card. You know, some people use it for emergencies, right? Right? The sale at Sephora is not an emergency, right? It's not an emergency, right? Kiana's like, wait, right? Right? Hey, hey, the new, the new Nike shoe that came out, right? The, the new Spider-Verse dunked. It's not an emergency, all right? It's not an emergency, all right? It's not, okay? You're like, but V-Bucks. No, it is not an emergency. It's not. Stop using your, you know what? Stop using your credit, your parents' credit cards to buy video game stuff, all right? Stop. Don't do it. Don't do it. Some of my sixth graders are like, I shouldn't have came. I'm getting found out. All right, let's bring it in. Credit card forgiveness is this. Listen up. This views forgiveness as the spiritual equivalent of someone else paying off your maxed out credit card. Meaning you have accumulated a debt that you cannot pay back. So God does it for you. Though true, though he's paid our debt through the life of Jesus Christ, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, this view is an incomplete thought. Okay? People with this view of forgiveness will view God as the rich dad who will always come in swooping to pay off your bad debt Every single time you run it up. Again, it's true that God has paid our debt. But forgiveness means more than this. We don't just need our bill paid. We need our spending habits changed. That's fire. If you don't write that down, I'm going to uppercut Riley in the face, all right? And I don't want to do that because I love Riley. We don't need, we don't just need our debt paid. Because if you just get your debt paid, what are you more likely going to do again? Say it again. again. You're going to do it again. You're going to run it up. I got the card. He paid for it, right? Bible says, shall we sin so that grace may abound? Surely not. What is that saying? Should we just keep on sinning knowing that we're forgiven? Maybe you should wrestle with that question. Are you okay to keep sinning knowing that God has forgiven you? Your sins are forgiven, past, present, future. So what does that mean to you? Does that mean that you can just kind of do you and live your life and whatever happens, happens? Or is there something more to it? God just doesn't want to pay your bills. He doesn't want to just clean your debt, which he has again. He wants to change your spending habits. He, here's what I mean. He wants to change the way you think. He wants to change the way you act. It is your thoughts and your actions that got you into debt. So it is your thoughts and your actions that are going to get you out of it. The news for you tonight, that's a shocker, is you almost can't get yourself out of this debt. That's why Jesus came. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for you, to live, be resurrected, seated at the right hand of the Father for you. Jesus did not die so that you can continue to sin. He didn't. This beautiful, kind, gracious, loving man, fully man, fully God, who spent three years of his life dedicated to you, to people, to children, to adults, doing miracles for people he knew wouldn't even follow him after they received the miracle. And he did it anyway. That person did not die so that you can continue to crucify him 
again and again without any thought, without any remorse. Forgiveness is not, it's no big deal. Forgiveness is not credit card forgiveness. It's not this idea that I can keep sinning. Here's the third thing, and this kind of hits home for me, that leads us to misunderstanding forgiveness by misunderstanding how God forgives is we see God as a drill sergeant God. As a drill sergeant God. Here's, here's let me explain that. When we look, view God like this, we say this, God forgives your debt, but then he drills the error out of you. This view has the merit of being focused not just on canceled debt, but also on training in righteousness. This almost sounds good. You're like, oh, okay, Drew Sergeant God. Like, he's going to pay my debt and then, like, help me learn and help me do it. Wrong, okay? If you've ever, none of you have, and that's fine. I have encountered real-life drill sergeants, okay? I have fully encountered them, and they destroyed me, okay? I won't tell the story because I'm going into too many rabbit holes, but there's one time where I forgot my socks. I forgot my socks while I was changing, and they were right there next to my bed waiting for me to come back, and they began to scream and yell, and say really not nice things. I know I'm short. Don't talk about my mom, right? Like, they said things about my ancestors that I don't even know, but I was offended. I'm like, don't talk about my great, 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 great grandma. She'd probably fight you, right? Like, drill sergeants, right? They're not nice. They are not nice. Their whole job is to destroy you. Their whole job is to break you down forcefully, forcefully. And so we think like, oh man, I'm, I, I need to ask God for forgiveness, but I'm afraid of how he's going to treat me when I ask him. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. So it says, however, it also makes God out to be an angry drill instructor when we decide to view him this way. Like we think he's mad when we keep messing up, constantly yelling in our faces that we need to get our act together making us run laps and do push-ups and generally ruining our lives until he breaks us down to the point where we finally do what he says. Um, that doesn't really sound like him, right? I mean, I, I've known God for a while now, but even reading that, I'm like, that's not, that's not who God is. So who is he then? And how does he forgive now that I've kind of understood what misunderstanding forgiveness by misunderstanding how God forgives, well, now what? Let me go into those three things a little bit deeper, okay? Follow, follow through with me. We're going to run through this. The first view above misunderstands the nature of sin, thinking it doesn't need to be removed. It's no big deal. The second view misunderstands the scope of forgiveness by failing to realize that forgiveness means the removal, not just of the stain of sin, but also the power of sin in our lives. That's the credit card forgiveness. The third view, which is our drill sergeant God, the third view misunderstands the character of God. God is love. God is love. Christ is love. He's the definition of love, even when, perhaps especially when, he's pulling us out of sin. One result of believing any of these bad definitions of forgiveness is that we end up hiding when we misunderstand forgiveness do you want to know what you and I do we hide you and I are experts 
at hiding from God. You're experts at hiding from your parents. You're experts at hiding from everybody else, right? But you and I, we, we, I would say this. Actually, let me go back. We think we're experts at hiding from God, but we're not. You can see this in the book of Genesis. It's not in my notes. I'm just kind of free falling here. Uh, we see that when Adam and Eve failed in the garden, a lot of my Compass kids know this because they've gone through the Bible, and a lot of my teens know this, but they failed, right? They disobeyed God by eating of the, of the tree, right? And then all of a sudden, they are aware of themselves, of their sin, and what is the first thing that they decide to do? They hide. So what does that tell us? That tells us humanity, you and I, have been hiding since the beginning of time. And so it's not something that you can just, if I'm more disciplined, I'll break it. If I just do this more, then I won't do, listen, it's been happening since the beginning of time. You and I, if we continue to misunderstand forgiveness, we will hide from God. We will hide our sin from others and from God, who we think is some spiritual bully, but he's not. We hide it because we think we can handle it. We hide our sin because we think we can handle it. We hide it because it's no big deal. We hide it because we are worried that God will do worse to us when he finds out. And so when you and I make a mistake, and when you and I fail, when we have that bad thought, when we do that bad thing over and over again, instead of bringing it to the light, you and I decide that the best option for us, because we don't understand forgiveness, we hide. How many of you have ever hidden something? I've done it. I've done it. Still am doing it. So you and I will be on this journey forever. That's why we need a reminder of what forgiveness is. Let's look at the first two verses here and just break them down quickly, quickly. I want to recover what the Bible and the biblical view of forgiveness is. So now we know how we misunderstand it. So now I'm going to give you what it really is. Psalm 32 sounds kind of heavy. We're talking about forgiveness. But in reality, it's a celebration of God, of a God who loves us enough to rescue us from the destructive power of sin and who longs for us to run towards him, not away from him. When we stumble and fall. Let's look at verses one and two. Go ahead, throw it up there. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in spirit there is no deceit. Okay, last week we talked about what? Living a blessed life, right? Right? We talked about how you and I can live a blessed life. One, by rejecting the world and by delighting in God's word, right? Those are literally the two points, okay? So now all of a sudden we're seeing that word again. We're seeing that word again. So when we read God's word and we kind of start reading it a little bit more and more, we start seeing some repetitive things. That means God is trying to tell us something. So we talked about living a blessed life. It's important that we do certain things to be blessed. So he's saying blessed is the person, okay? Blessed is this person in this one, okay? What are the words that would, we would use to define being blessed? Throw one out. Huh? Rich? Okay, all right, all right. She's like, credit card, right? Right, right. When you're blessed, you're what? Spitball, happy maybe? Yeah, happy. What else? 
What else? What else? What else? I'm trying to get y'all in this. Joyful. I heard that. Right? Lucky. Right? What'd you say? Laughing, right? Fortunate. Like when we think of the word blessed, we think of those awesome, fun words. Now, what would cause you to say that someone is any of those things? Right? When you say somebody's happy, that person is happy. That person is laughing all the time. That person is rich, right? That person is this or that. What would make us think that? What would make us think about that person? We sometimes think a person is blessed if he's rich, successful, or healthy. This psalm says blessedness comes from experiencing forgiveness. Another way that you and I can live a blessed life is by experiencing forgiveness. Why? Let's look at the words here. I Remember, we, we learned this last time, but in order to get on the right path, we have to know the path that we're currently on, right? And so look at the words that are underlined here. We see the word transgression. We see the word sin, and we see the word iniquity, right? So Pastor Vocab's on vacation. I was left to myself. If you don't know who Pastor Vocab is, he's a friend of mine that occasionally I'd be texting him and be like, I don't know what this word means. And then I show you our text messages. It's really fun. But he said, don't call me. I said, you're right. Okay. You're fine. I'll figure it out. Right? So we see the words transgression, sin, iniquity. These are, these are words of evil, right? These are words used for evil in these verses, the word transgression can be really translated to rebellion against God. So when you see the word transgression, you can see it's a rebellion against God. And then when you see the word sin, right, we obviously kind of know what that means. It means turning aside from the right path. Then we see the word iniquity. When I was y'all's age, I was like, iniquity? Like, that sounds like something with real estate. I don't know. Like, equity? I don't know. Like, iniquity? I don't know what all that is. I knew you would like that one. I knew you'd like that one. So that means, right, a distortion or deviation from the will of God. Going away from the will of God. So this verse is kind of showing us, right, the opposite of what a blessed person will encounter. Now let's look at the words that describe what God does to those things. Next slide. Blessed is the one whose transgression is what? Say it again. Whose sin is what? Say it again. Blessed is the man or woman against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Let's look at this word forgiven because y'all know I like doing vocab. Let's look at the word forgiven. You see the word forgiven? It's a Hebrew word, which means carried. Carried. Hmm, that's crazy. Like a burden being carried for you or lifted. Like a burden lifted off of your shoulders. We talk about the weight of sin. Some of y'all know what that is without actually knowing. Sometimes when y'all really be doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing for an extended period of time, a lot of you feel the weightiness of it. You just kind of feel heavy, right? Some of you that are into things that you know are not good. And after you do it, you just feel like every step you take, your your shoe is being filled, filled with concrete. It's the weight of sin. Forgiveness lifts, carries that. Who, Who has lifted, I'm going somewhere, who has lifted the weight of sin off of you? It's Jesus. And that sin had a shape. And that shape was a cross. 
He's carried it. And then we see this, this word, I love this, covered, hidden. You're like, okay, wait, I thought we're not supposed to hide from God, right? I thought we were supposed to not hide from anything. But what this is talking about is it's, it's, it's hidden away. That when God sees you, when you are forgiven by God, he no longer sees your sin or your failures. He sees his son because you're clothed in righteousness. So we're not talking about hiding from God. We're talking about being covered. Your sin is hidden away from it. It's dealt with. It's been handled. And then we see this says counts no. This is not to count or to add on to. So God's not trying to add on anything to your plate. He's trying to take things off of you, to carry this weight off of you. Isaiah 53, 6 says this. I want you to write it down. Write Isaiah 53, verse 6. And can I have... um, Emily, can you just come up? Just Emily. Isaiah 53, 6, write it down. Write it down. You're like, pastor, this is crazy. How am I ever going to understand this? How am I ever going to live a life that's going to be pleasing to God? I keep messing up. I I wish I were more like you. I wish I was more like Pastor Joey. I wish I was more like Pastor Ellen. I feel like those people, those people in my life never mess up. They never make a mistake. If I could just be like them, if I could just be perfect, if I could just be, we said, I've said that. We've all said that, right? We've all said, I'm not alone on that. Watch this, Isaiah 53. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. What's this saying? We've all done it. We've all done it. I'm not standing up here telling you that I'm perfect and I've got all this figured out. I would be a liar. I'd be a fool. I would be leading you astray. But I stand as your brother in Christ, as your pastor, as your friend, as someone who loves you and believes in you and says, hey, I mess up every day, every hour, just like you. But what can sustain me and what gets me going, what what keeps me going, what keeps me in love with God isn't anything other than I understand how he's forgiven me. I find life in that. I find joy in that. This helps me understand what, that I'm not alone when I mess up. I'm not alone when I suck at life. I'm not alone when I make mistakes that we've all done it. Even some of the people in our lives that we think are perfect, they have all messed up. Sin is a burden. Sin is a stain. Sin is a debt. Every one of us is burdened by this sin. Everyone is stained by it. Everyone is enslaved to it. That is why forgiveness is our source of joy. Forgiveness lifts the burden for us. Forgiveness covers the stain. Forgiveness cancels our debt. Or to be more accurate, God does these things for us when he forgives us. He does it when he forgives us. Why would God do this? What does he owe me? There's been a time in my life where I've walked around thinking, God, like you owe me. Like I love you. I'm doing things for you. You, you kind of owe me. Like God doesn't owe me anything. Where do we get this mindset that God owes us for anything? 
Why would God? I struggled with this for years, guys, for years. And, and, and that's why I'm talking about it tonight and next week. I've struggled with this. I, I couldn't understand why someone so amazing and so beautiful and so creative and so kind. How could that man, how could that God, how could he love someone like me? A violent, angry, bitter person how could God even stand to look at me why would God why would he do this and I remember having a moment in my life where I said that out loud I'm like why I don't understand why you would do this it doesn't make sense to me do I now have to owe you do I owe you now and he's saying no do because I love you why does God do this it's out of his deep love for you Deep, not a shallow love, not a shallow love that can just be washed away or disappear at any sign of trouble. It is a deep love that is deeply rooted in our DNA. He loves us with everything that he is and everything that he is, is everything. He loves you. He desires, he desires to forgive you because he desires us to be free from the burden, stain, and debt of sin. He has accomplished this finally through Jesus. So where is our joy and where is our hope from? First John 4, 9, as I close. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. God would send his son, Jesus, so we might live through Jesus, be saved through and because of Jesus, to experience joy and fun and laughter and life through Jesus. It is through Jesus alone, through Christ alone, my hope is found, the song says. So the first verse of this psalm could be rewritten to say this, how blessed is he who experiences the love of God through his forgiveness. This, I want you to close your eyes. I wasn't gonna do this, but I'm going to. I could have you come up here and cry and make a scene and be an emotional response, but no, I want God to reveal himself to you right now. I want to say this over you. This is not an I'm sorry moment because sorry doesn't cut it. You're not sorry for what you did. You're sorry because you got caught. Listen, you've been found out. Sorry sweeps it under the rug. Sorry numbs the pain and the embarrassment. But to repent to turn from your wicked ways, that's where forgiveness can be found. It sounds like this. If you've ever, keep your eyes closed. I want to pray this. And if you resonate with what I'm about to pray and say, I want you to just receive it. And then I'm going to give you a moment with God. I've prayed this. God, there are things in my life that I say and do, things that I love more than you, things that I know are wrong, but I can't stop doing that hurt you. 
it all grieves your heart. It makes you sad. And it makes me unclean. And I need your help. I need your joy. I'm, I'm depressed and I'm sad all the time. I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me. Forgive me, God. Help me say no to those things. Wash me from my sin. And I know if I slip up again and again, you'll always be there. You'll always be there to exchange my sin for your joy. My forgiveness was bought with a price. That price was your son. And tonight, I don't take it for granted. And so thank you, Jesus, for giving your life so that I could be forgiven. Amen. Why don't you look at me? That's just the first two verses of Psalm 32. Again, you don't have to read the entire thing and try to understand it. Those first two verses are so foundational in your faith. If you need to ask God for forgiveness, I want you to do it. I want you to do it now. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to stand. We're going to do this quick. I want you to stand. I'm not, I've said this before, I'm not about emotionally manipulating you. And I'm not going to ask you to come forward. And there's going to be time for that. There's going to be, as we keep going through Psalm 32, there's going to be a time where God is going to call you to repentance. And then we're going to celebrate that forgiveness. But tonight, I want you to sit and digest and think about what we just learned. Maybe tonight you've misunderstood forgiveness this whole time. You're like, I thought I understood it, but I don't. Well, now you understand what forgiveness is. So let's take a moment. If you can, one more time, would you just close your eyes? And we're, gonna, we're just gonna play for a few seconds. If you need to ask God for forgiveness, do it. But I want you to think about what forgiveness means to you and then what it really means from what we just learned. Maybe that might mean you have to pray right now. So you can go ahead and pray. Maybe you need to get down to your knees, drop to your knees, and lift your hands. But let's do that right now. believe the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's more than saying, I'm sorry. It's saying, God, help me not do it again. But Lord, if I mess up again, what's going to happen? He's saying, I'll still be there. I'll still hold your hand. I'll still love you. That's forgiveness. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to forgiveness. It's not his wrath. 
merely just his wrath or his judgment that we should fear, but I fear living a life without God's love. Okay, I want everyone to look at me now. So from my, from my sixth graders and some of you that are new, what we just did is when God speaks to us, we want to respond. Part of responding means we take some time to reflect on what God did and say, thank you, God, for speaking to us. So that might seem weird that we just stood here in silence, but what we're doing is we're allowing ourselves to receive what God had for us and then thank him for it. His love is is our forgiveness, and we find life by finding forgiveness. Let me pray for you, and then we can go. Lord, you are so kind. You are so gracious, and I love you, and we love you, and your forgiveness in a great way is overwhelming to us because it might not make sense why you would do it for us, but you did it anyway. And so, God, thank you that Thank you that even though you knew we made mistakes over and over again, you sent your son to die for us and to live for us so that we can live through him. I pray, God, that students would find themselves reflecting on this word through this week, allowing you to bring them to a place, not just saying sorry, but asking for forgiveness and accepting it as a free gift through grace. We love you in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap for that? Come on, that's awesome. That's awesome. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Yes, I've got my guys up here. Why don't you come on? We're going to take offering real quick so that's your tithe. That's just your giving. That's your speed delight. If you want to give to speed delight, you can do that tonight. Lord, bless his offering. Bless the generosity of this church. Continue to use it to build your church and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before I dismiss you to give, if you are going to camp in two weeks, if you are going to camp, if you are going, I love that. He's like, I'm going to give now. Might as well just come and give. I'll like, look, they're already leading the way. I love that. Go ahead and give. As I announce, you can give. If you are going to camp next Thursday, say next Thursday. After service, 8.15, we are doing a camper parent info meeting. So we're sending emails out tonight to your parents that next Thursday we are going to have an informational meeting. What that means is any questions you have or they have about camp, we are going to answer those in the email as well as next Thursday. So you have to be there so that we can give you all the information of when we're going to leave, what you need to bring, all those things. Say next Thursday. Next if you are a camper. Cool? Am I missing anything else? Where's Ariel? I think that was it. I usually ask Ariel. I'm good? All right, perfect. Awesome. Go ahead, you guys can give, but we will see you next week for Dottie's birthday.